Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. But as we journey and we keep journey on this amazing series that Jesus plus nothing, which really is just us taking the book of Galatians and trying to feed and feast on it. And like I've said before, it's a little bit tougher. It's not a Jonah, well, there was this journey, and then there was a whale, and then he got spat out on a beach. And you can kind of follow the story with the narrative. It makes it a little bit easier. And Daniel's story, and the lion's den, and Joseph, and the cloak, and his brothers throwing in a... We can follow those stories. When you come to a book like Galatians, and you start feasting on the Word, it's sometimes a little harder for men and women who haven't had the ability and the privilege to get into the Word and find their own ways of feasting on the Word to get into it. So we are saying, we're committing ourselves to this book and saying, God, explode our hearts, explode our ideas and thinking of you. Part of it is, we sing the song, open up the gates so the king of glory can come in. One of the greatest gates that block the king of glory coming is our thinking. There's a limit that is limited about him. You know who we are called? We are called the believers. So here's the implication of that. What we believe is very important. Because I can believe God is Father, I can believe God is Son, I can believe the Holy Ghost. But if I don't believe that God is healer, there's an aspect of God that the Word clearly states He is that I miss out on in my journey with Him. What we believe and why we're doing the Galatians series is to make sure that on our journey of walking as disciples with Jesus and growing in every area that He's called us to grow, that our believing comes in line with the Word of God. Not with our take on it, not with our preferences or the parts we like and the parts we don't like we throw out, that our believing comes into orthodoxy. Right believing will lead to right practice. And God's saying, I want you to walk. I want you to walk out of sons and daughters. But here's the thing. We don't just default to that. What the Bible says is actually we need some teaching. We need to learn. We need to feast on the Word. And the Word of God's got to get deep, deep down inside bring life even to some of our preferences, our prejudices, where we've been before, maybe even some of our experiences in church. I remember when I sat with the man and woman who did our marriage counseling before we got married, and um, they spoke about everything, but in the very first session, he said to me, he said, Mark, I know you've had amazing parents. My parents have been married for 49 years, I think, and, and I went to their house on Wednesday night, I was in Durban, and I found a love letter my dad had just decided to write for my mom, and I just happened to see it. Just that week, just because I can. So I've had amazing parents. I'm so grateful for that. And he said to me, and he highly offended me, he said, you're going to have to unlearn some things you learned from your parents. Like, what do you mean? They've had a great marriage. No, you've got to unlearn some things. So there's some things that they do and ways that they've made to work in their context and their era that might be different to your marriage. And here's the thing. Your dad's wife is not the same as your wife. I love sitting with Jensen in marriage counseling and there's that statement that always comes up, but you don't have my wife. No, I don't, sir. (laughs) You don't have mine. No, I don't say that. Um, The gospel gets inside every area. And it's so important that we are able to bring everything in submission to the Word of God. Everything. Everything comes under the authority of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit brings life to that Word in our lives. And Rory's message through the whole weekend is not a complicated one. If you're around last weekend or you missed it, this is the message. 
that a Savior came, Jesus came and died, lived a life that we couldn't live, a perfect life, died a death that actually we deserve to die, so that what? So that we could find our way to the Father. And Philip reveals to us in John, he says, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And he showed a video that, that we have shown you before of a man running. He snaps his hamstring and this podgy little father comes running on. Why? Because there is a father who wants to walk in relationship with you. And the greatest tragedy that sin ever did was it separated that relationship. And yet, many of us, if not most of us, struggle with that journey. We get the Savior, we get the Spirit, but we forget that Jesus says, I am the way to the Father. The end of my destination is not a million preachers, converts, salvations, applause, nothing like that. The end of my journey is the Father. Relationship. Loving relationship with the Father. And it's incredible. As we journey in Galatians, and one of the things that we've spoken about is this big word called justification. And I don't want to leave you hanging on some of these big principles, because sometimes in church we have this temptation to dumb things down. Make it all so palatable, use different words, and yet this is a big thing. Uh, the church should be full of theologians. You know that? You're a theologian. As we're doing Galatians, you aren't just taking a story, you're taking the Word of God. Theology, to study God, to know God, or theo-God, logos, word, a word about God. We are on a journey to know about Him, all of us. Please don't abdicate that responsibility to someone else. Because you can't. Your growth and your journey has to be taken on your shoulders. And what God does is He gives you every bit of ability and every bit of resource and every bit of opportunity to go on that journey. So let's go on that journey together. I want to speak a little bit about justification. And can we put that amazing definition up? Here, here it is. Justification, God's act of removing the guilt and penalty of sin while at the same time Declaring a sinner righteous through Christ's atoning sacrifice. Everyone breathe in. Some of you like Mark. What are you doing to us? A lot of words. A whole bunch of concepts. Breathe out. You'll be okay. But my job and one of our privileges and jobs in this community is to teach people not just how to be taught. Teach people how to grow in that journey of teaching themselves and growing. Growing in our knowledge of God is the journey of every believer. It's not just the privilege of those who are so-called, that's what they give their time to. So let's just look at that definition again and just open up a few things. It's God's act. Right up front, justification, all about God. We get no glory. Maybe you walk and today you came in broken, beaten, bruised. Tomorrow you are changed because today you encountered the love of God. And tomorrow you walk alive and all of a sudden you stop swearing, you stop this, you stop this, you start doing this and a whole bunch of stops and starts. None of that is my glory. It's all His ability and the power of His grace in my life that brings freedom and my ability to break the chains that were upon me and walk free. And my definition is not an ex-slave. My designation is a son of the living God. Come on! That was good. <laughs> that was good. And, and what happens, he says, it's God's act, and he rips off the stains, and he removes the guilt and the shame. He does that. 
Stop trying to rub and scrub yourself. You can't do it. He does it. This is what Paul is telling us about. And he uses a whole circumstance situation in the city, in the area of Galatia. It's not a city. It's the churches in Galatia. He's writing a love-filled letter to them. He says he takes away the guilt and the penalty. See, there was a penalty. Takes it away. How does he do that? But at the same time, he's declaring something. He's declaring over last week, as every man and woman stood to receive the grace of God, in that moment, as hearts were opened, as the gates were down and the King of glory came in, he shouts from heaven, mine, mine. I I don't see fathers when their kids are doing crazy things. Obviously, I can't use mine as an example now, obviously. I mean, obviously. Like... Yesterday at someone's house and their clothes are off and they're outside in the rain wrestling and bopping each other. Pastors' kids would never do that. And, um, but, but I don't see fathers when their kids do something crazy and stupid and everyone's watching. I don't see them shout, that's mine. He's mine. Look, he's mine. That, you're mine. That's not the world we live in. What fathers do is, stop it. Why? Because they're embarrassed. Why? Because there's a reflection on them. But because of grace, because of justification, because of what God does, when we do our silly things, God just shouts, Mine! Mine! That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He declares it, and He declares us a sinner righteous. See, what we like to do sometimes is say, well, yes, I'm a son, so I... I, I, there's a, we slip off the edge and we say, well, I no longer sin. No, no, I still have a propensity to sin, even though I'm a son. And until I walk in glory with Jesus, I will have this brokenness because of the environment in which I live. But here's the thing. There's every ability, as Thessalonians tells us, every ability for the sons and daughters of the living God to walk free of the chains of sin. That is the truth that Paul is fighting for. He's fighting for it. And when you read this letter, hear that. Hear the journey of a a father. I ask you, read it again. Remember what we said? He said, let's look for the father. I would ask you to read Galatians again, as I've heard so many stories of men and women consuming this amazing book and eating it and growing. Read it again with a lens, looking for the father. See the father in Paul's heart for these amazing people. And the way that he even deals with the people he's affronting, he's coming against, and his heart for the churches and the people that he loves. And this big, this battle for the concept of justification is, is a radical thing. It, is, it was the split as the, 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 the Reformation happened. There was the split because Luther was fighting for this. He's saying it's only by... Because in the church before and in, in the Catholic church and, and many other churches, there was a concept, well, at baptism you were justified for this life, but you will only fully be justified in heaven. You'll only fully be washed clean. You'll only fully be set free, justified. And Martin Luther writes, and he says, but I read in Romans and I read in Galatians that Jesus did and what he did the minute he breaks into someone's heart, every chain is broken, every single one, and it's got to do only with Jesus. Not our ability in any part, 
So we have to cut that. And there was this fight. And only in 1999, there was a, a document written called the Joint Declaration of the Doctrine of Justification. We need some big names for stuff in church sometimes. And it's consensus and the basic truths of the doctrine of justification exists between Lutherans and Catholics. And it says this, We confess together that good works, a Christian life lived in faith, hope, and love, follow justification and are its fruits. Remember, this is two, Catholics and Lutherans together, 1999, recent. We, the justified, live in faith in Christ and act in the grace they receive. They bring forth, in biblical terms, good fruit. Since Christians struggle against sin in their lives, this consequence of justification is also for them an obligation they must fulfill. Thus, both Jesus and the apostolic scriptures admonish Christians to bring forth the works of love. Our works of love and our ability to walk more and more like Jesus is why? Because he is a father I live for. In standard four, I had a low point in my life. Okay, it was kind of all the way to my trick. But we're going to start with standard four. And um, I was playing rugby and, and um, I was very, very small and suffered with something called small man syndrome. It's a real thing. And I was in the bottom of a ruck and I didn't like being there and I was going to fight my way out. And... My best mate was in front of him, and I just started giving him poof, 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 like this figure. Ref saw me, and for the first time in the house matches history of DPHS, two boys got sent off. And the longest walk of my life off the field. Everyone watching. And then there was a longer walk. As my dad said, you need to think about this, so you're going to walk home too. All the way home. You know what I didn't care about? I didn't care what the headmaster thought. I didn't care about what my friends would do or think because I got sent off. I didn't care about that stuff. I cared about one thing. The man who'd shouted for me at every game. The guy who taught me what it was to have friends. The guy who... I cared about what my father thought. My dad. It's all... All I cared, I didn't care about maybe I get a smack. I, I didn't care. You know what the tragedy was? He, I didn't even get a smack. It was almost harder. I kind of thought if he could just smack me, maybe he can get over it that way. I remember processing all these things on the long walk to freedom. <laughs> See, we are believers. Not believers. I know some of you are believers too. It's a different thing. We are believers, and we go on a journey to know God. That's our journey. Galatians, look at him for the Father. I want to tell us a little bit and continue this journey. See, part of what's at the heart of this Galatians series, please understand, I'm not trying to do every line for you. I'm trying to create in you an appetite to go and do the Word of God yourself. Because you can. You can. See, religious and religious-minded people and Christians find God useful. God's useful. His ways are useful. And it's useful not to kill anyone because then I don't end up in jail. And it's useful not to do this. It's useful to speak for people well. And so you'll find all the life coaches and principles in all that sphere, all biblical principles. Why? Because they find God useful. Sons of God find God beautiful. It's a big difference. It's a big, big difference. As we journey in this word, Galatians, I want you to find God beautiful. I'm very aware that sitting even here today, there is a journey of, I don't know God. 
Mark, tell us about God. And some of you are here, you want to know more about God. You see, if you ask me, tell me about your wife, Mark. I wouldn't tell you she's five foot nine, unbelievably knockout gorgeous with brunette hair. She did dancing for years. She's a graphic designer by trade and she grew up in Johannesburg. I wouldn't tell you that. Because even if I told you all of that, you wouldn't really know her. I'll tell you about someone who's slow to anger. I'll tell you about someone who's unbelievably gracious. I'll tell you about a mother who loves three very naughty boys sometimes, far more graciously than I would be able to. I would tell you about someone who's incredibly kind, someone who's enduring, and someone who's quick to laugh at my jokes. I'll tell you about that person, and I think you'd get more of a concept of who they are. See, sometimes our religion wants to know, we want to know things about God and it puffs up out. So we spit words out like, God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. And God is omnipotent. He has all the power in the world. I know God. Yet when God revealed himself to man, did he come down and say, I am omniscient. I am omnipotent. He didn't. Just let me answer the question. He didn't. You know how he revealed himself when Moses said, show me your face? He says, God passed by. God revealed himself, the compassionate and gracious God. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands. Some of us may struggle to maintain love to one. Forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. This is God and we're all on that journey. And in fighting for justification, for Paul, the writer of this letter, is fighting for sons and daughters to know God. And he's trying to get the impediments that man tries to throw in the way, out the way, so that we can encounter the living God and have a relationship with Him. I had one of the guys who discipled me, he taught me this way. He says, he says you can't have a relationship with God. He says, it's a relationship. Oh, this is something to lighten the mood a little bit. But Paul contends in Galatians 1 that there's only one gospel. And I want to jump into Galatians 2. And he says, we are saved out of rebellion. Our rebellion. And the gospel is simple. We are really passive in it. Our job is to love God. And grow in that love. And he comes in his sovereign grace and power. But here's, there's two perversions I want to keep throwing at us because they're the ones that will keep shouting at us. Even here, some of you are listening and you're wanting to fight some of the stuff. You're wanting to fight some of the gospel. And the first perversion is this, you know what? Just faith in Jesus? That's just a little too easy. So let me help Jesus out. So I'm I'm just going to make sure I'm the guy I get to church half an hour early. Just going to make sure I'm the guy. I get up every day. I pray at the same time. Just in case what Jesus did wasn't enough. So God will look back and he will see my discipline. I don't know about you, but I've been there like on Wednesday and Thursday probably. Even this morning, sometimes I wake up and I preach and I've had fun with mates on Saturday and I wake up and there's something in me that wants to go, oh God, I'm so sorry I didn't spend the whole day praying yesterday. Does anyone else live in that world sometimes? Because that is a voice that shouts, that's a perversion of the gospel. It's Jesus plus something, either something we do or something we don't do. And the second perversion is this, and Paul says in the book of Galatians, that's why if you hear one preach, you're probably going to miss the big, this is today all we're doing is we keep going down 
further down the road. We aren't trying to land it. We are in a series, which means when we preach, we can go on a journey together. I invite you to come on the journey. There's a second perversion. He says, that's brilliant. Everything is in Jesus. So you're telling me God will forgive me of anything I do. And so I can just get up to whatever I want because it's all in Jesus. I'm that passive. No, that's not what I'm telling you. That's also a perversion. It's called licentiousness. It's on the other side that we love to fall off sometimes. Because here's the real essential to their gospel is a father I'm living to please, like Ephesians tells us. I'm on a journey. I want to find out what pleases him. It's not hard when I read his word and we go on this journey. But I'm going to jump. Can you grab your Bibles? Galatians chapter 2, please. Some of you are like, gosh, that was a long intro. Where are we going now? Say, Jesus plus nothing. I just wanted to see. Rory did that a lot last weekend. I want to see if it works. <laughs> it's not just him, man. Eh? <laughs> I'm going to read for you. Then after 14 years, this is Paul writing. It's in his letter. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I wasn't running, I was not running, and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was Greek. See, for 14 years, Paul had preached, and he'd gone on a big journey, a missional journey, and there's a whole story there. You can find it in the Bible. He comes back, and it's 14 years later. 14 is a long time. He's invested. He's heard stories. He's, he's heard about these guys who are these false Christian teachers. He's heard about them, but, but God hasn't spoken to him to go sort it out, so he hasn't. You know what I probably would have done on first mention of it? My natural wanted to go sort it out. We are, we are reading of a man who follows God. And then he, he says for 14 years and he hears of, of the gospel being perverted and he breaks in. It's an amazing thing. He says, I went in response and, and there's this challenge. There's a very loud minority that is coming and preaching to those who have been pulled out of darkness and into light and received the gospel. It's a very loud minority. There's often a very loud minority. Even in our world. The challenge with social media and all this, the loud mi minority gets a big voice in our world. And we've got to be careful. That's why we've got to come back to the word. To be honest, even some of this, I've, I've, I've had to stop other preaching. I just want to go to the word. I want to read the word. God's got to reveal the word of God to us. Not the Google word, the Bible word. And um, he, this loud minority is shouting, we love your gospel. We love all of it. We'll take everything. Just a little added portion of circumcision and a little bit of Mosaic laws. Just a little. Don't worry. Still the full gospel, just a little on the end. It's like the T's and C's. I don't know about you. I hate T's and C's. They're very small. You generally got to click through 17 pages to try to get them. So I never go there. And yet those are the ones that get you. These are the T's and C's. And, and the problem is this is a Jesus plus something gospel. And they came right behind Paul and he said, well, he kind of got it right. And for 14 years, Paul doesn't sort these oaks out. He waits for a revelation of God, and then he takes two mates with him. I, I think there's the genius here. He says, I went to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was like headquarters. So all the Mainos were. 
It says, I took two guys, Barnabas and Titus. Barnabas is easy to understand. He, he was a Jew. He was a witness to the ministry. He, he was a friend. He's known as the son of encouragement. He was the guy who helped Mark. He's an amazing guy. And the, the, the Lonies in Jerusalem would have looked at him and thought, okay, we trust this guy. He's like us. He's a Jew. He's had the whole circumcision thing. He respects some of our rituals. He even follows many of the Jewish customs and ways. The Sabbath and following the Sabbath. He might even do those things because it's part of his culture. But then Paul has a stroke of genius. He says, I'm going to take Titus. Who is Titus? Titus is a full-on bacon-eating Greek, uncircumcised, pork-sandwich-loving, non-Jew lover of Jesus. Would you like me to say that again? He was a full-on bacon-eating Greek, uncircumcised, pork-sandwich-loving, non-Jew lover of Jesus. Basically, everything Barney wasn't. Barney loved Jesus, but Barney kept the Sabbath. Barney did a whole bunch of good stuff. And, and so the Jews would say, we like that. And the problem is, he takes Titus, who's everything that they don't like or shouldn't like. But what is he doing? He is, he's saying, actually, I'm going to be evidence of the gospel that I've been preaching. Here's the evidence. The evidence of the gospel we preach is not the buildings we build. It's not the meetings we can pull off. It's not the social justice agendas we can deal with. The evidence of what we build is the lives of the people that the gospel gets inside and the life that flows through our veins as we sang. That is the evidence. And he says, I bring you Barnabas. He's like you guys. He's from where you're from, and the gospel flows. You'll struggle. You won't struggle with him. But I'm bringing you another guy. His name's Titus. He's a spiritual son to me. And the gospel flows through his veins too. And here's the thing. He loves pork sandwiches. He orders them all the time. He rests on another day to when you rest, but he does rest. And the gospel is alive in him. See the evidence of the grace of God in his life. And they've got a decision to make. What do they do with their... Now, must he be circumcised? Not easy when you're a bit older. <laughs> Difficult. We're not going to talk about that much. But... Um, <laughs> And he's challenging the whole fake believer concept. He's saying, there's some fake believers out there and they are preaching something. I don't know about you, but I, I, I booked an Airbnb recently. I checked every review and I saw how many thumbs up and how many thumbs down. And I weighed them all up against the reviews and the T's and C's. Sometimes when it comes to the gospel, I find people don't do that. Why is link so important? Why am I strongly encouraging you, if you haven't done it, to do it? Why? Because you've got to ask some questions about what we really believe. And then you've got to take the answers to the Word of God. And if you don't find parallel truths, you've either got to take us on about it or you've got to go somewhere else. But Christians don't do that journey because it's a little bit of hard work. It's a little bit challenging. It means I've got to actually get off carte blanche sometimes and actually read the Bible and go find truths. I want to call us to be these people because then we can teach others and we will be mature and we can grow. And we'll stop fighting like these other guys about secondary things. We will fight for that which is primary, which is the life of God that's called to flow through our veins. And then he carries on. In verse 2, he says, I went in response to a revelation. And he says, I, I want to make sure I wasn't running my race in vain. I don't know if you, I've got memories. Memories like um, one of the Natal props hits a gap back in the day. And I was young. I was shouting for this oak. But he was 130 kgs. He wasn't made for the 100-meter sprint. It's not why he was on the rugby field. And yet the gap opened up. The only problem is he didn't hear the whistle had gone. 
And this guy ran the whole way. His legs, I mean, they were like they were out there. Things were moving. It's like all, it's like if they'd caught it on slow-mo and they had the HD cameras they have these days, it would have been played on Supersport for years. He ran the whole way, finished with a dive. Other things hit the ground first, and then he rolled onto the ball. And he turned around to see his mates high-fiving him, and they were all back in the other 22 because the ref had blown the whistle. And he'd run his whole race in vain, and it took him about seven minutes to get back as his heart was recovering from this journey he'd run in vain. Paul's saying, I don't want that for my life. I don't want that for my ministry and the believers who buy. I want us to run every step that we put in front of the other. It's for the kingdom of God and for the glory of God alone. So he comes, and he comes in humility. See, he didn't have to do this. He wasn't summoned. It doesn't say he received a summons. Oh, now we've got to go to the head office in Jerusalem. Saying, actually, God revealed in a revelation to me and in humility to my brothers who I recognize as impactful for the gospel. I'm going to come and I'm going to present to them everything I preach. And I'm going to show them the fruits of the ministry and they must speak. Because I don't want to be like that prop running the hundred meters in vain. It's an amazing thing that I, sometimes we miss in the word. I love this line. I presented a meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. I presented to them the gospel. Can I just help us in a world where everything is not private? I experienced shocking, 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 shocking service at a restaurant recently. And if I told you your blood would boil and you'd give me a thousand likes on Facebook. I spent the next six days trying to get a hold of the manager. I sent them messages saying, I'm not going to Facebook. I'm not that guy. But I want to help you. I'm possibly, probably never going to come back. That's a whole nother conversation. But I want to help you. And I don't want to do it out there. Just telling you, it's the way I chose to do it. There was much temptation to get a whole bunch of sympathy on Facebook. And this guy says, I'm going to go meet privately with the leaders. I'm not trying to prove I'm right. I'm trying not to run my race in vain. Please be careful of living the primary things that are important and following leaders who would engage with other leaders on tough. I watch Christian leaders fighting on Facebook. I'm horribly embarrassed. Just being honest. I'm embarrassed because I think they've forgotten. Unbelievers actually watch Facebook as well. It's not just Facebook wasn't designed by a Christian for Christians. Sometimes I wish there was, but that would also be unhelpful. And secondly, the fact that how we do these engagements are just as important as why and what. Just, just, just as important. How we do life, how we engage, it's so important. Is that all right? It says, yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. He's saying, he's a Greek. These dudes all circumcised. They've been through the pain of circumcision. They, they had been celebrated for their circumcision. I'm not going to go there. And, and it's like, he didn't feel compelled at all. Why? Because circumcision was an outward demonstration on a man of the covenant with God that God had made in a previous dispensation in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, my heart gets circumcised. And the evidence of the circumcision is the life I live and the glory I give to God. It is the only evidence that is necessary. It is the shouting of heaven of God saying, He's mine. That is the circumcision I require. That is the mark. And the only mark that I require is the voice of heaven that shouts, Mine. Even 
when I'm dropping the ball. I want to encourage us because there's so much truth in here. But here's why I think Paul takes Titus into this mix. And a bacon-eating guy, that guy. This book is written to the churches. It's a book for internal sorting the church out, the believers. So he brings a guy who challenges the internal dynamics of the church. Why do churches need new believers all the time? Because it challenges us in our Christianese. It challenges us in our Christian preferences. I get so grieved when I hear Christians, I don't like, I'm not going to go to that neighbor's bra because they're going to be drinking beer and swearing. No, that's exactly where I think Jesus would have been. I'm just telling you, again, I believe my Bible says Jesus would have gone there. And we have a lager mentality too often. Yes, we have to protect little babies sometimes. So when someone walks in the church and they've come straight out of an environment of whatever that environment is, we need to come around them. We need to get them strong. Why? So they can stay like that forever? No. So they can grow and be able to go back to environments with strength and courage and confidence in the fullness of His grace in their life that enabled them to walk a life of power to see those who are far from God come into the kingdom of God. And we don't spend our lives lagering ourselves around each other. Everyone breathe in. I just, I just, I cannot. There is this twist. Paul says, I'm going to take, they're not going to struggle with Barnabas, but they will struggle with Titus. And here's the thing, they don't. Immediately they respond, they say, it's the same gospel. It's the same gospel. Why? Because they can see it in Titus' life. And it carries on. Says that, that I want to tell you, it carries on, it says in verse 5, it says, the matter rose, and in and, and verse 5 it says, we did not give in to them for a moment. It's quite like a strong statement. We didn't give in to them for a moment. Why? The legalists in every one of us and the legalists within the church struggle with other people's freedom. They'll struggle with your freedom. Some of you got saved last week. Don't let a man or a woman put any chains on you that Jesus took off. I can't. I've seen it too much. I've been in church for too long. We cannot be the church where those who have got saved don't want to come back to that church. We've got to be the church where the believers are those shouting, He's yours! Come on! And they help Him up again. Oh, He stumbled a bit. Whatever stumbling means for you. No, we're going to help him up again. The Judaizers in this city, they hated the freedom that the Christians had. They hated that an uncircumcised man who hadn't been through the pain that they'd been through, hadn't been under the rituals they'd been under, he didn't buy into their way of life in a previous New Testament, Old Testament reality. They hated the fact that he had the freedom of God and the life of God in his veins. They hated it. So Paul comes strong and says, we didn't give them one moment. We got on with the mission of God. See, God, to too many, is still just judge. So God gives gifts like Rory to come and remind us that actually the greatest revelation of God in the New Testament is Father. And he was there at the beginning, he'll be at the end, and yes, he will be a judge as well. But he's still Father. And Jesus came for one thing, to show us 
the Father. And there were these two arguments. I want to bring the arguments up again because they're resounding in some of your hearts. The first one is, is, well, if you just preach the gospel and you don't put morals and laws on people, they're going to slip off. They need the morals and laws to know how they walk. I've seen pastors do that. I think I've even done it at times. Out of love. Just, just don't do this and don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. There's another argument against the gospel that it's simply the law was holy. And it was, and it was righteous and it's beautiful. But the law has every right to reveal everything that is wrong in me. The problem is the law can do nothing about it. And the greatest analogy I've heard, and I'll finish in a few moments, is this. My wife went for an MRI scan recently, and it revealed amazing things. It shows you places doctors can't see. It gets in to areas and reveals things that, that man cannot reveal. It's an amazing machine. It's very noisy, it's very loud, and it's very expensive. But that's where it stops. It just reveals. The law in our lives now reveals. Then Jesus comes in. So the law reveals sometimes. I, I know I shouldn't be dead. I need to say, I can't stop doing that. Jesus, the Savior, the only healer, the only one who is able to break the cycles, the only one comes and allows me to walk as son. And that same law, that same MRI machine, we might still go under it again, and it'll still show what's happening inside, but it still can do nothing. It's all about Jesus. And Jesus' ability to get me to the Father. It doesn't mean I throw that law away. Please don't hear that. There is a temptation to want to do that. Don't do that. What the law then becomes is a guide. The law becomes a light. And when I, I, I don't look to the law for the cure, I see the law and I understand it's showing me some right ways to walk, some helpful ways to walk. But the only cure, the only answer, and the only power for that walk is Jesus. I'm so passionate about this. As the more I read this book of Galatians, I realize I've stumbled on all these things so many times. So, it carries on. I was going to go to verse 10, but I'm going to land there. There are these voices that are shouting, even now. Please don't let my voice be the only one fighting for the gospel. Allow yourself to find your way to the word of God. I know in this room, the enemy's even shouting to some of you now, you, you can't. It's too big, too many pages, too many thoughts, too many concepts. Leave it up to someone else. Someone else will tell you. Just start one foot in front of the other. And as you open to the book of Galatians, say, Holy Spirit, Bible says you're a counselor. Bible says you will show us. The Bible says you will reveal Jesus and you will reveal the Father. And as I find myself in the world, you will explode my heart. My, in the word, you will explode my heart for Jesus. We want this for you. Paul is making this plea, and he's calling us to, he carries on a verse, and he says, the one thing I ask, don't remember, don't forget the poor. He makes the statement, verse 10, if you've read it. It's an incredible statement. It's a statement of unity. And you start understanding, actually, when the gospel grips my head, my heart, my thinking, it grips every part of my life. 
and I get called into a gospel. And I'm, I promise you, even if I want to thank you for the 10,000 rand that was sent, I want to thank you to those who give to this church. But God is calling us, and the gospel will impact. It'll impact your wallets for justice and mercy. That's what happens. So we become generous because we worship a God who is generous, and we start to see things we didn't see before. That's what happens. The gospel changes everything. I want to give you the big idea for today. In this room, many in this room are working incredibly hard to receive God's favor. I just know it because I've walked around Christians my whole life. Unsure of his love, affection, and care for them. Also in this room, I would say there's possibility of the reality of being functional atheists, meaning we, we've got our fire insurance from heaven, from hell. We've got that because we put our faith in Jesus, I'm just going to walk with that, but I'm not going to let it impact any other area of my life. So I, I just really don't want to know God that much more other than I've received Jesus the Savior. I don't want to go on the journey to the Father. The journey can't stop with Jesus. Jesus is the one. He says, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. The gospel is wide open. Are we looking to the diagnostic, the MRI, the law, are we looking to Jesus? See, last week, 20 people gave their lives to Jesus in this room. Some of them have means in their bank account. Some have got nothing. Some have walked dastardly lives and sinned in the most profound ways, and others have tried really hard to not to. Some have... Um, being able to shake off those bad, unhelpful habits others haven't. Some have walked in the church for years. Some came in for the first time last week. Here's the message of Galatians. Here's what Paul's shouting. He, he, he's writing a letter, and it's emotive. He's saying he, he was prepared to travel with Barnabas and Titus. He was prepared to make enemies, calling them false gospel teachers. And, and he had the leaders gather and says, there's this right hand of fellowship. We're walking out with our brothers. Why? Because of what we believe. Determines what kind of believer we become. And we go on a journey. Jesus plus nothing. Jesus equals my sanctification. In my journey beyond that point, is only because I love the Father. And I don't want to do the long walk home again. I want to live to please Him. And the way that I please Him, there are some helpful realities within the Word called the law and others that God gives us in wisdom how to walk. Those come as a light over my life. But the power, the source, and the cure is Jesus for my brokenness, my every part. Can we stand for a second, we're going to take communion together. We've got to get beyond rituals. Maybe even for some Sundays of the day, you've got a weekly alarm that's set. And, and so because that weekly alarm goes off, it's church day. Hear what I would ask. Take the alarm off. And find every day a growing in relationship with God day. However that looks for you. For some, 
It's easy to get up at five in the morning. That's what they love. For some, the night walkers amongst us, it's one in the morning, two in the morning. It doesn't matter. What matters is we find ourselves there. And today we get to partake. Is it okay if I go for one? Do you want to? I want us to come and receive of the gift that got so freely given. Maybe you're even asking, can I come? Well, the answer is yes. And it's got nothing to do with what you've done. It's got nothing to do with anything other than Jesus and his perfect sacrifice. And so as we come in, I'm going to ask, would you start coming up and take, there's tables in the middle, there's tables up top, there's tables at the back. And so will you come and get, and take the bread and the wine? We're going to take communion together this morning. We'll be done in two minutes. Can the worship team come up as well? Some. Here's what I'll ask. I understand maybe what I've said this morning might even sound somewhat scandalous to you because of where you come from, because of your church experience, or even the gospel you've been preached. I would ask you to do this. Go to the Word of God. Don't go to a man. Don't go to Google. Go to the Word of God. And say, God, if this is true, then I want it. Which means I want every chain broken. chains have got to break the lies and then God I want the fullness of this relationship fullness maybe for some who got saved last week and the angels in heaven are still partying for some you've walked for 40 years and go but I should have that fullness stop lamenting 40 years and receive it now in the blood that was spilt and in his body that was broken. And in the fact that a father so wants to walk in relationship with you, that the Bible says it was his will to crush his son. To crush him. When you think of God right now, will you close your eyes? Will you throw away the idea that God is waiting to strike you down because of what you did yesterday? Can you just throw that away? Because that's lies. Paul says, I didn't give it a moment. And would you allow the Father to be revealed? Holy Spirit, your word says, the word says that you come and you reveal Jesus and, and, and you reveal the Father to those who cannot see. I need to grow in my knowledge, in my understanding, in my relationship with the Father. Will you do that now? As we remember and we say thank you. Thank you. Can you say that? Just yeah. thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for life.